Everyone, this is the Frankly Daniel Show, and yes, I'm the Daniel in the Frankly part of this enterprise. It's my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights. Thank you for joining me, and it's an honor to be here with you today. Now, coming from me, this shouldn't be a surprise. I didn't much care for Joe Biden before his January 6th speech this past Thursday, but after that divisive load of horse manure, I really don't like this man at all. He's not honest. He's never been. He's not sincere. But he's never been. His demeanor as president is pathetically partisan. His policies, each and every one of them, has been destructive in the extreme. The only person who died in the January 6th Capitol fiasco was an unarmed, weaponless, female protester who threatened no one. Joe Biden is personally responsible for the loss of 13 Marine lives in the last days of Afghanistan, not to mention 137 Afghan citizens who were killed and the scores of Marines maimed for life in the suicide bombing at that that ridiculous airport. Joe's allowed hundreds of thousands of illegal alien criminals into America in the past 12 months, and he's stolen 15 cents out of every dollar and given it to inflation. I firmly believe that the Biden administration is one fractured fairy tale after another, and none of these fractured fairy tales has has an happy ending. From the beginning of Biden's announced basement candidacy, It was clear that the Democrats feared Bernie Sanders was going to win the nomination. Think of it. An avowed socialist as the party's nominee. So instead, even knowing that Joe Biden wasn't up to the job, even if he had run for the position 10 years earlier, and despite his sharp fall in cognitive decline, they torpedoed Bernie's chances again and put up Joe against Trump. But Bernie was promised that Joe didn't really want to be responsible as the president. He just wanted to be called president and wear the presidential flight pilot bomber jacket, along with wearing aviation sunglasses and fly on Air Force One. No, I don't believe Donald Trump lost the 2020 election. Now, I've looked through so much material since December of 2020 that in my opinion, there's no other conclusion a reasonable person can arrive at. Yes, I believe Biden won the vote count, but the question remains which votes were valid and worthy of counting. So what happened? In short, the Democrats deftly used COVID-19 to manipulate the tarnation out of our voting system. They used every scare and fear tactic known to human experience. And ever since the master crime at the mailboxes and the unguarded drop-off vote boxes funded by Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg, the Biden administration is every bit as socialistic, actually bordering on a deadly mix of what I'd call fascism and Marxism, 
compared to anything Bernie Sanders would have been as President of the United States. But as far as COVID-19, Biden has continued to use fear, shame, blame, and lies about not only what Trump did as president at the start of the pandemic, but also as to what the Biden plan is and how well it's been operating these past 12 months. Allow me to start with this clip, the recent clip of our, or I should say my governor, Ron DeSantis here in Florida. He was on Fox and Friends the other morning. Uh, Let's take a listen to what he had to say. Thomas was he would shut down the virus. And he demagogued Donald Trump every day. He blamed Trump for COVID cases and deaths. He didn't blame China, which is really where the blame belongs, but he said it was all Trump's fault and then he would shut it down. And not only has he not shut it down, you have cases and hospitalizations in parts of the country like we've never seen before. So that fundamental promise he made to the American people, he has absolutely failed upon. And honestly, it was demagoguery from the beginning. You can't just magically shut down a respiratory virus. He should have talked about what he would do to help mitigate and to provide these treatments. And that wasn't what he was doing. So that central promise has failed. Uh, he should not have been demagoguing Trump like he did. And now when he sees the results, he's saying, well, well, it's not really the federal government's responsibility. It's all about right. what the state should be doing. I can tell you, Steve, that's not what he was saying to Florida and Texas this summer. He was blaming us for not yeah. imposing mandates and restrictions, um, even though, you know, we've done much better in terms of our uh, a society and economy and education. So that's just what they're doing. And I think they've got themselves in a big rut because they made all these grand promises. They used it to try to win the election. Uh, and now the, the bills are coming due and they're just not able to cash the checks. Thank you, Governor. So well said. And I may ask your your indulgence today. My voice is again very froggy. I'm still recovering from the COVID I had uh, more than a week ago. And I, I understand it takes a little bit of time. But anyway, I'll come back to the Governor's topic in a moment. But but first, as I peruse the vast array of fairy tales, it's it's amazing how many of them are really quite instructive about everyday life. It's when you apply them to political settings, they they become fractured fairy tales. For instance, last week I employed the assistance of Humpty Dumpty to illustrate Joe Biden's and Dr. Anthony Fauci's great fall from the wall of public health grace. Now, both suffered the fall from their own ineptitude and their relentless political horse maneuver, that stuff that they've been shoveling at Americans about vaccines and COVID now for the past 12 months. Here's another Biden fractured fairy tale. Now, let me ask you, have you ever heard or read the full Chicken Little story? I mean, we hear about Chicken Little all the time, but have you read the story? Oh, it's, it's a story where a hen named Penny Penny runs around alerting her farm world that, of course, the sky is falling. Now, allow me to share a revised and abbreviated version, my version of this story. There was once a big farm near a vast field, and there lived a hen named Penny. Now, she was great friends with everyone, and those who knew her gave her many, many names. She was a tiny hen, and the other chickens in the yard would tease her for her size. They would often call her Chicken Little. While Penny surprisingly loved this name, her favorite thing to be called was Henny Penny, given to her by the other fowls that lived nearby. Now, think of Henny Penny as the CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky. 
One morning, as Henny Penny was plucking for worms in the henyard, an acorn dropped from a tree right on her head. She had no idea what hit her. Ouch! That hurt, she said. Nonetheless, she started shouting to the other fall friends, The sky is falling! The sky is falling! She ran around in circles and circles and circles for a while. Then she calmed herself and got right down to waddling down the road. She had to alert the king. The sky was falling. She waddled and waddled and waddled until she found her excellent friend, Rooster Brewster. Now think of Rooster Brewster as Dr. Fauci. If there was ever a two-note crowing rooster, it's Dr. Fauci. Masks and vaccines, masks and vaccines. What's the matter, Henny Penny, Rooster Brewster asked. Oh, Rooster Brewster, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, and we must alert the king, she cried. Oh, we must, we must, Dr. Fauci cried back. Well, to make a long story short, Chicken Little, a.k.a. Henny Penny, a.k.a. Dr. Walensky, gathered one foul friend after another, and they all joined her on her mission to warn the king that this guy was falling. So Henny Penny, Rooster Brewster, Ducky Chucky, a.k.a. the Surgeon General, Goosey Brucey, a.k.a. Ron Klain, Biden's chief of staff, and Turkey Perky waddled down the farm path looking for the king. Of course, before joining the flock, Turkey Perky, a.k.a. Dr. Marty McCary from the Johns Hopkins uh, University and School of Public Health, stopped pecking and he turned to the group and he asked, Did you see this guy fall? No, said Rooster Brewster, Dr. Fauci. No, said Ducky Chucky, the Surgeon General. And no, said Goosey Brucey Ron Klain. You didn't see the sky falling? Do you see it falling now? Asked Dr. Markey. No, uh, no, we didn't, said they all except for Henny Penny, the CDC director. She said, well, it fell right on my head. I tell you, the sky is falling. The sky is falling and we must tell the king. Aha, well, then Dr. Turkey Perky, Dr. Marty Carey said, I will come with you on your merry way. But we've all got some doubts, Penny. Turkey Perky was interested to see exactly where this adventure would go. So Henny Penny, Rooster Brewster, Ducky Chucky, Goosey Brucey, and Turkey Perky waddled and waddled and waddled until they could see the palace just down the farmer's field. Oh, we must alert the king, Henny Penny shouted. Oh, we must, we must, Rooster Brewster, Dr. Fauci chimed in. Ah, yes, the sky is falling. Turkey Perky Dr. Markey asked the group to stand under a large oak tree and close their eyes for a moment. Then Turkey Perky puffed his chest out as hard as it could muster and bumped the tree trunk, causing the huge oak tree to shake. Well, several dozen acorns fell on the heads of Hetty Penny, Dr. Walensky, Rooster Brewster, Dr. Fauci, Ducky Chucky, Surgeon General, and Goosey Brucey Ron Klain. Then Perky, Turkey, Dr. Markey asked his foul friends if they still thought the sky was falling. As they were about to answer, the king, a.k.a. Joe Biden, stepped under the oak tree, and as the wind kicked up, a near bushel full of acorns fell on the king's head, knocking him out cold. Several minutes later, the king came to and declared, The sky is falling, the sky is falling. And so Henny Penny, Rooster Brewster, Ducky Chucky, and Goosey Brucey all headed back to the office. They had to get the teleprompter loaded and the vaccines ready as King Joe Biden got set to tell the nation that the sky is falling.
<laughs> well, so much for cause and effect of fractured fairy tales. You're welcome to think that this chicken little story is such childish folly. But when you've spent as much time as I've spent in clinical research and practice, stories like this fit like an old shoe. Oh, oh that would be the old woman in the shoe. There was an old woman who lived in the shoe. She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. She gave them some broth without any bread and kissed them all soundly and put them to bed. I'm sure I can find a Biden administrative scenario to fit this fractured fairy tale. Well, some of what's to follow is good just to review, lest we forget how we got into this national sickly predicament. What I'm about to go over is backed up by factual research. The parts that are my opinion are, are obvious but they're my opinion based on facts. To start with, when you think about it, by the time Biden took over, Trump had solved many of the most vexing COVID-19 problems. Not only did Trump hand off three vaccines to Biden, but the supply of personal protective equipment was well in hand, as was laboratory testing of COVID, and major equipment like hospital beds and mechanical ventilators. A public-private partnership was underway to create home testing kits, and Trump was a huge supporter of therapeutic developments to treat COVID on an ambulatory basis. Biden continues to storytell how he didn't even have three vaccines that he had to order more. What irony. Trump had purchased nearly 800,000 vaccine doses before he ever left office. Now, here's some COVID trivia I've gleaned from my weekly readings that I'd like to share with you. Do you know that during Trump's COVID year in office, that, that being 2020, the um, highly unethical tiny Dr. Fauci made a pact with the embattled CDC director, Dr. Robert Redfield, and Dr. Deborah Lee Burks, the White House Coronavirus Task Force Coordinator, that if President Trump fired Dr. Fauci, they would all resign in protest. Donald Trump knew he was getting cockeyed advice from a very compromised Dr. Fauci. Trump knew that COVID-19 virus not only originated in Wuhan, China, but he was reasonably sure it came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology via a gain-of-function set of experiments. Dr. Fauci, to this day, despite three mountains of contrary verified information, continues to claim the virus originated in the wilds of the animal kingdom. I think he's been watching too much National Geographic myself. Fauci continues with this lie, even after physician senators, multiple ones, have the smoking gun evidence that Fauci funded gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology through a third-party intermediary. Trump could never get his head around Fauci's insistence on face masks for an airborne disease with infectious virus particles a hundred times smaller than smoke particles. Put a mask on and have somebody smoke in the room and see if you could smell it. Trump also knew through our intelligence agencies that the World Health Organization was nothing more than a front for the Communist Chinese Party propaganda apparatus. Trump wanted to punish WHO by defunding them and disassociating the United States from an organization that protected the Chinese instead of serving the best information interests of the world's health. 
Dr. Fauci was dead set against this action, as you may well know or remember. Again, because he had a vested interest in China's silence, sort of like uh, President Biden's uh, vested interest in silence, about the origins of this deadly laboratory-manipulated and weaponized coronavirus. Who was first to advise Trump and strongly insist that Trump not establish a travel ban against China in the early going? was Dr. Fauci, of course. And who was responsible for the initial crippling fiasco with COVID-19 testing? (laughs) You bet. It was the CDC headed by Dr. Redfield, who, by the way, uh, was part of the Fauci evil access of anti-Trump advisors. When the disease first began to appear in the United States, the CDC developed their own test detection kits, and they sent them out to a very limited number of public health laboratories across the nation. The CDC has always been a very paternalistic organization. They are not nimble. Unfortunately, these test kits were terribly flawed, and most tests gave bogus results. By the time Dr. Redfield's CDC, and by the way, Dr. Redfield is a virologist, by the time the CDC straightened their air, the nation lost 10 weeks in the development and implementation of a COVID-19 specific and sensitive laboratory test. Unfortunately, the very nature of this highly accurate test didn't lend itself to rapid ramp-up, meaning long delays in obtaining results once the samples were collected and shipped to various laboratories. Let's, I mean, let's face it. The president of the nation, any president, is only as effective as the people he appoints to head his cabinet positions. In retrospect, Trump had incompetent leaders and so-called experts in the Department of Health and Human Services, but especially in the sub-departments like the CDC, the NIH, and the FDA. As I outlined in last week's Frankly Daniel episode, Dr. Fauci was deeply involved in Obama and Biden's ineptitude in handling the H1N1 swine flu outbreak in, 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 in 2009. Fauci was also there for the 2014 Ebola crisis and other global outbreaks of disease. Yet, when the COVID-19 pandemic began to emerge, only then was Trump alerted that the Obama administration hadn't stocked or restocked any, any sort of epidemic equipment much less that needed for a pandemic. So Trump had to start from scratch. This this fact has been verified in multiple reliable reports and publications. The Obama, uh, the Obama-Biden administration, they they wiped their shelves clean during the H1N1 swine flu pandemic that, by the way, Joe Biden was in charge of, just like Mike Pence was for COVID under President Trump. And, and they never restocked them over the remaining seven years of the Obama-Biden administration. There was no PPE, personal protective equipment, and the equipment that was on the shelves had long since expired as useful medical equipment. No stockpile of mechanical ventilators, and the ventilators that were in the government's possession were old-fashioned. There was no rapid deployment diagnostic testing for any kind of coronavirus, no emergency vaccine development plan, and on and on and on. And nothing is more fractured than the Biden administration's handling of the COVID pandemic. 
The fact that Trump muscled his way to three FDA emergency use authorized vaccines with his warp speed program is really nothing short of astounding. It took sheer willpower and dogged determination. And all this while a hostile press loathed and boisterously criticized everything Trump said or tried to make a cumbersome, outdated, and bloated public health system respond. And all while Dr. Fauci and the others, like Dr. Redfield and Dr. Burks, were undermining his efforts to respond. And what advice did we get from Dr. Fauci and his enablers? We got a -a whack-a-mole advice on face masks. We got social distance commandments that turned out to be somebody's fantasy. We were told to wipe all our deliveries and groceries down with Clorox wipes, which, by the way, were as scarce then as rapid antigen COVID-19 tests are today. We got a series of edicts from the nation's two largest teachers' unions. And we got a presidential campaign in which the Democrat Party used fear and COVID-19, a fear they continue to stoke to this day, They use fear to drive an unfettered, unvalidated mail-in voting effort that befuddled the courts and state legislatures. And Trump was unceremoniously replaced by the second-worst presidential candidate since Hillary Clinton. Uh, Who was the worst presidential candidate of 2020? Well, that was Vice President Kamala Harris. Now, ever since Inauguration Day, January 21, 2021, the Biden administration has been one fractured fairy tale after another. And Joe and his untrustworthy sidekick, Anthony Fauci, have riddled gaping holes into any sense of how to defeat the coronavirus. This despite claiming only they have all the answers. Facts be told, here are the Fauci-Biden options for COVID. Mandate 1. Wear a face mask. Mandate 2 get vaccinated. 2A, get a booster vaccination. 2B, stand by to get another booster vaccination. 2C, quickly get in line for another booster vaccination. Option 3, get a test, which is nearly impossible. Option 4, get a treatment, still impossible. Option 5, get a vaccine. Option 5A, get another booster. Option 5B, stand by to get another booster vaccination. This is euphemistically known as the Fauci-Biden gerbil treadmill. So what has Biden done to combat COVID? Well, it's clear now that Dr. Fauci convinced Biden that they could vaccinate their way out of the pandemic. Their strategy was simple. It's actually part of Trump's plan. If you vaccinated everyone, You couldn't get COVID-19, and you couldn't spread COVID-19. So the plan, the one Biden continues to say Trump never had, was to vaccinate everyone, including babies. Somehow, the 2 million-plus illegal aliens who crossed into America under the Biden Open Borders No Questions policy, they weren't required to get a COVID-19 test, if they could find one, nor were they required to get a COVID-19 vaccine. But for everyone else, the plan was to funnel us all into one choice and one choice only. Get a vaccine. There were things they did in the open to push people into the only available choice to avoid suffering the harm of COVID. 
Now, while encouraging everyone to rush to the nearest vaccination site, they concurrently shamed all those who were too lazy to get a vaccine and all those who resisted the call to vaccination for any reason at all. They openly and repeatedly called the unvaccinated, unpatriotic COVID-19 spreaders. They were the pariahs among loyal Americans, worthy of all societal scorn. Now, listen to Arthur Kaplan, the Director of Medical Ethics at the NYU Grossman School of Medicine, comment on one of our favorite channels, CNN, about punishing the unvaccinated. We can penalize them more. We can say, you're going to pay more on your hospital bill if you weren't vaccinated. You can't get life insurance or disability insurance at affordable rates if you aren't vaccinated. Those companies should not treat us as equals in terms of what the financial burdens are that that disease imposes. What tripe? Do we tell people who are 50 pounds overweight that we're not going to treat their diabetes or heart disease? Do we tell motorcycle trauma patients that because they decided to ride helmetless, too bad, we're not going to treat you, go die? The ethics of crucifying the unvaccinated are an abomination. Heck with the Constitution. Show me one verse from either the Old or the New Testament that endorses this approach to human beings. But who started all this shaming? Now, Joe continues to this day calling the COVID pandemic a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Biden stepped up this divisive rhetoric to shame people into getting vaccinated by repeatedly lying that hospitals are overcrowded with unvaccinated COVID patients and that if you're unvaccinated, you're as good as dead. Yes, the unvaccinated were and still are the walking dead, according to Joe Biden. Of course, a report this week in the L.A. Times exposed the fact that more than two-thirds of patients in L.A. County hospitals are listed as having COVID. But that's not the main reason they were admitted. Instead, they're there for heart attacks, kidney disease, and a host of other ailments. The fact that they tested positive on a PCR test is totally coincidental and in no way is why they were admitted to the hospital. Here's an audio clip of Dr. Marty McCary from Johns Hopkins Hospital and School of Public Health about this very thing. So I've been talking to doctors around the country and hospital administrators, and they say upwards of 50% of the COVID patients that are hospitalized are not in there for COVID. This has always been the number one metric that we needed to gauge the pandemic situation. It's the number of new hospitalizations for COVID on a daily basis. We've never gotten that number from the CDC. So many states now are saying we're going to collect it ourselves. Well, this is an excellent time to take a break. Go ahead, hit the head, hit the fridge, come on back in seconds. I'll be here and we've got a lot to tell you on the other side of Fractured Fairy Tales. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. 
fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Let's get real. Let's get loud. On America Loud Talk Radio, this is McCullough Report. Are you tired of your tired vitamins? Consider Healthy Cell. These are pill-free vitamins that are in convenient gel packs. Uh, I like the Focus and Recall supplement. I use this a lot. You know, your brain uses a lot of energy, and it depends on a variety of micronutrients and vitamins. Boost your short-term focus and long-term brain power with Healthy Cell's Focus and Recall vitamins. So go to HealthyCell.com, use the code OUTLOUD, all capital letters, OUTLOUD, for a 20% off your first order of any Healthy Cell product. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Frankly Daniel Show. This this just came over the wires. The December jobs report saw only 199,000 new jobs added to the economy in December. Wow. They expected... 999,000. That's only about 300,000 short. November was also a terrible month. I guess all that bragging Biden's been pushing about uh, about how he single-handedly has brought the economy back just doesn't seem to be holding up. It's unbelievable the damage that Biden and Fauci have done to the economy and to millions of individual Americans via these idiotic vaccine mandates. Why? It, what, what is the possible purpose? Can't they just give it up at this point? We all know that people are, have breakthrough. They're not even calling it breakthrough anymore. It just happens. Everybody gets this Omicron. And it, it's going to continue to be that way until it blows through the country. And who knows about the next one? And mandating the, these last, really, about 17 million people who refuse to get vaccinated, many of them some very valid reasons, it just isn't going to happen, even if you hold a gun to their head. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to hold the employment gun to their heads. You can't eat. Your family can't survive unless you get a vaccine. And they're not joking about it. I'm surprised they don't have the FBI and all those other people that they've suck on on top of parents that, that go to school board meetings that somehow all of a sudden... Those aren't the same people tracking these people down, you know, handcuffing them and taking them in to be given vaccine shots. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. Do you know that 4.5 million people left their jobs in December, which is just about the same amount that left in November? They're just leaving. They're not putting up with any of this crap. They're not going to be bossed around by their employers or whatever. I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they're all going on unemployment. Uh, you're not supposed to be able to get unemployment that way, but but Lord knows w- what's going on. And, you know, are you trying to get service anywhere? I mean, you're even afraid to go to a restaurant because maybe the guy that was taking the garbage out last week is now the head chef. Uh, it, it's just unbelievable. You know, vaccines might be part of the solution, but had we concentrated on therapeutics instead we'd have saved nearly 80% of the Americans who passed away because of COVID infections. And I'm not just pulling that out of my you-know-where. There are so many, so many, the majority of infectious disease doctors say vaccines are a nice addition, 
but treating patients early with targeted antivirals like Pfizer's new drug or even using all the available medications that you've been hearing about and that social media has been trying to squash all these uh, months. Had we used those early, they could have saved hundreds of thousands of people. And, and there's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, I'll tell you again as we go along today, I got uh, an infusion of monoclonal antibodies, you know, after the day that I was diagnosed with uh, COVID. It made a tremendous difference. Well, let me calm down just a bit. On America Out Loud, I hope you're tuning in to hear Dr. Peter McAuliffe's reports and podcasts. This is a fella that published a multi, an international study in JAMA of 2020 in June, I think, June or July. It's been the most downloaded study of, of anything that JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association, puts out in, in the last 18 to 20 months. It is remarkable. It's all about ambulatory therapeutics. And it's, it is a breakthrough study. It's one of those landmark studies that if he was at a university, it would move him to full professorship. It's that, it's that impactful of a study and a publication. And so I hope you're tuning in to uh, Dr. McAuliffe. He's a fabulous guy, and he really knows what he's talking about. Here's Governor Ron DeSantis talking about the treatment options that he's been pushing in Florida and I'm one of the recipients of, of, the, of that uh, push. Last week, I did receive monoclonal antibody infusion, and it sped my recovery from COVID. Of course, there's a war of words and lawsuits between Florida and Joe Biden over limiting, uh, and actually, they stopped shipping monoclonal antibodies to both Florida and Texas. This is all part of uh, Joe Biden's plan to bring America together. Uh, he doesn't help governors who may be competition. And so watching him get up the other day and talk about January 6th was, was completely nauseating. And so unlike Donald Trump, by the way, who bent over backwards to support New York and New York City, a, a governor and a mayor who are deathly opposed to Donald Trump, Trump went out of his way to, to put hospital ships, to build beds and everything else. Uh, incredible. Well, here's Ron DeSantis. Well, I think if you look back, there's a number of big failures in this pandemic. The school closures, which I know you guys were talking about, you know, some of the lockdown policies, of course. But the failure from the outset to really focus on therapeutics, uh, I think it's cost a huge number of lives. Uh, it was almost like they said, uh, lockdown, mask, and then once vaccines came, vaccine, and that was it. And as we've seen now, particularly with Omicron, is, you know, people are still getting infected regardless of their vaccination status. So you need to have an emphasis on therapeutics. I just think it's counter to their messaging and their narrative. When I rolled out our monoclonal antibody sites over the summer, they attacked me because they said, oh, then this is not, you're against vaccine if you're for therapeutics. When actually we had a lot of vaccinated people that were going, it wasn't all unvaccinated. Uh, but regardless, you want to have treatment options. And so in Florida, we've really stressed right. that. Our Surgeon General, Joe Latipo's done a good job talking about it. Um, but yes, it's been a huge, huge problem from the pandemic response and particularly under the Biden administration, where not only are they not promoting therapeutics, they're actively trying to stymie the distribution of things like monoclonal that, that's antibodies criminal. to states People like Florida are dying. and Texas. People that are dying criminal. because of this. That is criminal. Okay, here's here's another clip uh, from Ron DeSantis' uh, interview on Fox and Friends the other day. I know, I, I listen, I love this guy. He 
he is a true, he's an awesome a governor. He well may be president of the United States someday, and I, I certainly hope that's in his future. Um, and we pray for his wife who's got cancer. You know, that all that hullabaloo about he was missing somehow in action. Well, he w- traveled with his wife for cancer treatments. Now the press is so despicable. Here's Ron DeSantis on uh, confirming the same issue that Dr. Markey, uh, uh, Macri, excuse me, was uh, pointing out about hospital admissions earlier in the show. Well, that's the thing. I think you have a situation where Omicron, thankfully, is much less pathogenic than Delta. You see it dramatically fewer hospital admissions. And a lot of the hospital admissions in Florida and around the country are people who are getting admitted for something else and just happen to test positive. But they're not actually sick enough from COVID to be treated in a hospital. And so that is, um, in many ways, a good development for how this thing has evolved. Yes, right on, Ron DeSantis. Had I not had access to monoclonal antibodies because of my leukemia diagnosis, I more than likely would have been admitted to the hospital, but I didn't need to be. So in response now, states have begun collecting their own hospital stats and they're separating out this confounded information about active COVID admissions from those with past coincidental data. So this so-called COVID pandemic of the unvaccinated. Uh, these aren't the folks that are filling up hospital beds. That, that whole story that Biden continues to hammer is total horse manure. It's probably some other kinds of manure too, but let's just go with horses for now. But Joe Biden, he's, he's still at it. Here's an audio clip of Joe addressing the nation on January 4th, 2022. But if you're unvaccinated, you have some reason to be alarmed. Many of you will... Uh, you know, uh, uh, you'll experience severe illness in many cases if you get COVID-19, if you're not vaccinated. Some will die, needlessly die. Unvaccinated are taking up hospital beds and crowding emergency rooms and intensive care units. That's just placing other people who need access to those hospitals. So please, please, please get vaccinated now. Let's go ahead and listen to a, a A few more minutes of Uncle Joe on January 4 of this year, giving us really old, bad medical advice. You know, we've reduced the number of American adults without any shots from 90 million to about 35 million in the past six months. But there's still 35 million people not vaccinated. And let me be absolutely clear, we have in hand all the vaccines we need to get every American fully vaccinated, including the booster shot. So there's no excuse, no excuse for anyone being unvaccinated. This continues to be a pandemic of the unvaccinated. So we gotta make more progress. And for patients who still haven't gotten your kids vaccinated, please get them vaccinated. Look out for their interest here. It's the best way to protect them. And for parents with kids too young to be vaccinated, surround your kids with people who are vaccinated and make sure you're masking in public so you don't get COVID and give it to your kids. Well, there's several things to say about this clip. First off, those 35 million people that haven't gotten vaccinated, two thirds of those are people who have naturally acquired immunity from having had a bona fide infection of COVID. 
And those people are going to continue to resist to say, I don't want the shot, I don't need the shot. Then if you noticed, he told patients to make sure that they got their children vaccinated. Patients? Really? I mean, Joe, you can't even read it off the teleprompter right. I suppose the thing that aggravates me the most is this patronizing way. He talks to all of us about, get the shot, get the, sh- get the vaccine. We have more boosters than anybody can do anything with, but you need to get the shot. Well, September 9 of 2021, that was far from the first time Joe denigrated the unholy and unwashed, unvaccinated. But September 9 was the date he instituted his OSHA employer mandates that all workers in companies of 100 employees or more had to enforce mandatory vaccination or fire their employees. Now, here's a series of clips of Joe Biden updating America on his COVID-19 stewardship on his talk to us, September 9, 2021. And to make matters worse, there are elected officials actively working to undermine the fight against COVID-19. Instead of encouraging people to get vaccinated and mask up, they're ordering mobile morgues for the unvaccinated dying from COVID in their communities. This is totally unacceptable. Third, if you wonder how all this adds up, here's the math. The vast majority of Americans are doing the right thing. Nearly three-quarters of the eligible have gotten at least one shot, but one quarter has not gotten any. That's nearly 80 million Americans not vaccinated. And a country as large as ours, that's 25% minority. That 25% can cause a lot of damage, and they are. Let me tell you right now, I have seen no mobile morgues floating around here in Central Florida, nor have I witnessed any of those and I, I, I obviously look at an awful lot of social media. No, I, I, I don't know any place else there's these social morgues going on. And uh, 25% of the country is really causing all the really good patriotic Americans a lot of problems because they refuse to get vaccinated. My nerves already. These are the facts. So here's where we stand. The path ahead, even with the Delta variant, is not nearly as bad as last winter. What makes it incredibly more frustrating is that we have the tools to combat COVID-19 and a distinct minority of Americans, supported by a distinct minority of elected officials, are keeping us from turning the corner. These pandemic politics, as I refer to, are, are are making people sick, causing unvaccinated people to die. We cannot allow these actions to stand in the way of protecting the large majority of Americans who have done their part. I want to get back to life as normal. As your president, I'm announcing tonight a new plan to require more Americans to be vaccinated to combat those blocking public health. It's good to know that if you're unvaccinated, you are the ones blocking public health. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin, and your refusal has cost all of us. So please do the right thing, but just don't take it from me. Me. Listen to the voices of unvaccinated Americans who are lying in hospital beds, taking their final breath, saying, if only I'd gotten vaccinated. If only. It's a tragedy. Please don't let it become yours. For the vast majority of you who have gotten vaccinated, I understand your anger at those who haven't gotten vaccinated. I understand the anxiety about getting a breakthrough case. But as the science makes clear, if you're fully vaccinated, 
you're highly protected from severe illness, even if you get COVID-19. That's where boosters come in. The shots that give you even more protection than after your second shot. America has been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. What trash talk is this? It's great that Joe Biden understands our anger at those who failed America because they refused to get vaccinated. Biden feels our anger. Is this an update to when Bill Clinton said he could feel our pain? With the sins on your hands, Joe, I wouldn't be throwing stones from your glass house with your glass jaw. All this pathetic shaming just to justify your vaccine mandates, really? Bad people in America made you do it? All And bad governors, evil governors also made you do it. Of course, he's talking about Ron DeSantis in Florida and Governor Greg Abbott in Texas, who've refused to buckle under to Fauci's face mask fetishes, and he continues to fight the Biden administration over tests and therapeutics. Joe just can't help himself when it comes to shaming the unvaccinated. Of course, the Supreme Court just heard the state's lawsuit against the Biden administration's overreach in vaccine mandates. Biden is still going ahead with these labor uh, crippling mandates, despite the fact that these vaccines do not stop COVID from spreading and infecting people. Now, here's an audio clip from Jeremy Dice, an attorney at First Liberty Institute, commenting on the arguments before the Supreme Court on federal mandates. Well, look, I, I think at this point in the pandemic, it's become a pandemic of the autocrat. President Biden has way overstepped the boundaries that he is limited to by the Constitution. He's now attempting to federalize the, the workplace and the economy. Uh, and that just can't be done. Look, the, the, this policy, this mandate is authoritarian. It, it violates the Commerce Clause by taking away powers that are due to the states to police around. It takes away, uh, it, it assumes authority that it does not have and Congress has not given to it. If, and it also tramples the First Amendment by forcing religious organizations to violate their religious mission and force their employees to violate their religious conscience. If separation of powers and, and religious liberty is, is so precious, I mean, if, if, if a president can pass these kind of kingly orders and expect them to be obeyed, then the Constitution really means nothing right now. I hope the Supreme Court understands that and reimposes a bit of sanity and restrains this president from overstepping his bounds any further. Those against federal and local mandates, especially employment mandates, argue that if a woman has the right to control their bodies, including the option to an abortion, then all Americans should have a right to say what's put into their bodies under federal force. Now, there's an interesting chapter, chapter 34 in the book of Genesis. Uh, that's the first book in the Old Testament. And I think there's a chapter, this chapter is of particular interest in regard to but political mandates. In short, chapter 34 highlights the story of a tribal ruler by the name of Hammer, who enters into an agreement with another tribal uh, ruler by the name of Jacob. Uh, Jacob was the Jewish patriarch of the time. And by the way, of biblical reference, Jacob was the son of Isaac, who in turn was the son of Abraham, all uh, biblical patriarchs and servants of the Lord. Well, in any event, to satisfy a wrong committed by Hammer's son against a daughter of Jacob's, Hammer agrees to mandate that all males in his tribe be circumcised. Yes, circumcised. But can you imagine something like that occurring here under a federal mandate? 
So while the majority of males in the nation are, are likely already circumcised, not that I actually know, and it's I haven't really checked, nor it's not a particular research interest of mine, but anyway, let's just say that for issues of male reproductive health and perhaps aesthetics, Joe Biden has come out with a federal mandate that all males ages 10 days and older uh, must be circumcised by February 9th of 2022. Now, he's issuing this mandate because Dr. Fauci, a man of science, has informed the president that sexually transmitted diseases are on the rise and it's more likely to be spread by uncircumcised males. Now, don't you think Joe Biden owes it to unsuspecting females and perhaps even some males to protect them from those who refuse to get circumcised? Uh, Wouldn't that be an interesting case to argue before the Supreme Court? So what about COVID-19 testing? Despite what Joe Biden is telling America about testing, his administration torpedoed home testing once in May of 2021 and again in October of 2021. The October testing fiasco is thoroughly covered in a recent investigative piece in Vanity Fair on the December 23, 2021 issue by Catherine Eban. But before delving into these two critical mistakes, let me answer the question of why would the Biden administration deep six rapid antigen COVID-19 home testing? There's four reasons. First, the CDC assured Americans early this past summer that once vaccinated, they could shed their masks and forego testing. They couldn't get COVID and they couldn't spread COVID. So as the number of Americans vaccinated continued to rise, the needs for rapid at-home testing were unnecessary. Second, they were suspicious about the sensitivity of home testing. This is what, in fact, sank the industry's COVID-19 home testing proposal in a White House Zoom call on October 22nd of 2021. They said there were just too many false negatives with home testing, and they wanted the only available test to be the laboratory-based PCR test. Now remember, Congress passed legislation giving the Biden administration $83 billion for COVID-19 testing. At best, it appears the Biden administration has spent less than $20 billion of that money. Ironically, this past week, members of Congress accused the Secretary of Homeland Security of tapping into those funds to fly illegal aliens across America and drop them off in various locations. I have no idea if this is true, but someone is financing hundreds of these flights each month. As for the effectiveness of home testing, here's some of the published data on two of the most popular COVID-19 test kits. In a clinical study, the quick view at home over-the-counter COVID-19 test identified positive cases 84% of the time and identified negative cases 99% of the time. Based on the results of a large clinical study, the Abbott Biac's now COVID-19 antigen self-test was compared to FDA-authorized high-sensitivity PCR test. The Binax, now COVID uh, self-test, correctly identified 92% of positives and 100% of negative specimens. In a separate multi-site clinical study, the Abbott test was tested 
and the results interpreted by test operators with no laboratory experience. The Binox Now COVID-19 card test correctly identified 85% of positive specimens and 99% of negative specimens. So it appears that these tests are pretty good, especially if you do them correctly. Third, the government, FDA physicians, and Dr. Fauci is most certainly among this crowd, they're biased against empowering patients with their own health care results and decisions. Their argument is that if a patient does a test at home and gets a positive result, what do they do with that information? They can't treat themselves. Therefore, only their doctors should have these results because they're the doctors and the patients aren't. Uh, these are the same old hardliners who were against the home pregnancy tests and other self-administered home diagnostics. So when, when a doctor's secretary calls you to tell you you have a positive COVID test, what advice and medications does she have to treat you with that you don't already have access to? Fourth, the Fauci-led government agencies believe that if people rely on home testing, they'll be less incented to get vaccinated. In other words, people concerned about the potential negative side effects of COVID vaccination could sit out vaccinations by doing serial home testing. And if employers began to accept negative home tests to excuse non-vaccination, this would thwart the administration's goal to vax the entire American population. Ah. So in response, the administration told manufacturers they, they weren't going to purchase any more home tests, and instead they were going to rely solely on the laboratory-based PCR tests. Their operating theory is that as long as they make home tests expensive and of limited supply and continue to use fear of infection, more folks will give in and go get vaccinated. This happened in May of 2021 when Abbott closed their Binox COVID-19 antigen self-test factory in Maine. They destroyed the remaining stock that they had on hand and they fired 2,200 full-time employees. This is a grossly underreported story. And I've already mentioned, though, that in October of 2021, multiple home test manufacturers were on a White House Zoom call when they presented the president and his team a robust home testing ramp up for the coming holidays. Three days later, the White House said no. Joe Biden continues to deny this happened, but the article in Vanity Fair has multiple, multiple sources and these sources say otherwise, and they all have extensive details. It's a very interesting article. Many of these are the same arguments the Biden administration has used to thwart uh, the development of therapeutics like second-generation monoclonal antibodies and antivirals. Our time is coming to an end, so let me leave you with this. Dr. Marty McCary recently said that to date, the NIH has funded 257 grants on the social disparities related to COVID-19, but only four on the coronavirus's spread. In other words, the NIH gave 257 grants to study the systemic racism and social equity problems in treating people of color for COVID, and only four small studies on how COVID spreads, and just one on how face masks worked in this pandemic. Unquestionably, the absence of hard science is when groupthink begins, and guess what ends up filling that vacuum? Political opinions. Lots of political opinions dressed up as hard science. 
And with political opinions come fear and control, fear and control. That's all you hear from the White House and the President's medical advisors. Nearly eight weeks ago, Omicron appeared on the global stage and both Biden and Fauci are out in the open but naked. Neither emperor has clothing. They certainly can't get dressed up in the clothing of hard science. Oh, alas, our time has come to a close. I have so much more to share with you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you got something from our discussion. Have a fantastic week and watch out for Omicron. Until again, cheers and God bless.